Welcome to the very first episode of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge podcast. My guest today is Miles Greb, the creator and writer of After the Gold Rush, an independent comic that will be raising funds on Kickstarter in August. The song of the week is Needle and Thread by Kill Matilda, which can be found on iTunes and KillMatilda.com and will be part and released in their album on August 25th. And you currently can hear the song and see the music video. So without further ado, here's the song of the week. I'll find your body parts. I'll sew you a new heart. Put you together again with my needle and thread. I'm getting lonely, baby. No one to talk to, baby. Living underground now, babe. With the world and the tide. Man, I found your skull, my baby. Arm, bones, lungs, and hands, my baby. Saw your skeleton, my babe. In your black shirt. I'll find your body parts. I'll show you a new heart. Put you together again with my needle and thread. Thread and tie, break, grow, break, grow. to support this podcast, you can go to popanimecomics.com and click on the affiliate links. When purchasing products from amazon.com through my site, I get a small percentage back at no cost to you, which helps to keep production costs lower. If you'd like to advertise on this podcast, you can email me at andrew at popanimecomics.com with subject advertise. Uh, Today, I have with me Miles Greb the creator and writer of After the Gold Rush, which is an indie comic, which will soon be raising funds on Kickstarter. So my first question for you is, obviously the comic focuses on 
science is forgotten in this world, in this like world you developed in the comic book. How did you come up with that concept? Sure. So um, basically, you know, growing up, I was a really big fan of like Star Trek and Cosmos, and I just I, I loved science and this futurism idea that we had where everything was going to get better in the future. We were going to get smarter. But it seems to me that in media in the last 10 years or so, everything's about how we're not. Everything's about how the world's going to be dark and full of zombies and everything's just going to go to shit. And, you know, um, maybe it will, but I don't think it's going to. And I think that we can fix it. And I, you know, I love science and everything that can give, it can give us. So I wanted to make a comic that really showed what science is, not just an engineering or things like that, which is what you often see, see somebody build a ship and like, oh, look, science. No, science is a methodology of trying to understand the world through building theories. And I wanted to create a comic that really showed that off and the value of it. And so I thought a good way to do that was to show the conflict of culture, of a scientific culture versus a non-scientific culture. So when discussing science um, in more of a philosophical way, the idea of atheism comes up as well as the idea of skepticism. Does that play any role in the comic that you're developing? Yeah, so um, also I, I didn't see any comics that were openly... Um, atheist or skeptic comics. Now, it shouldn't necessarily matter that someone is an atheist or skeptic the way that it shouldn't necessarily matter that somebody is gay, but we have comics that are openly, this is a gay comic. And so I wanted there to be an openly atheist comic. Um, that's to a parallel there is comics that have openly gay characters or are targeted openly to gay audiences aren't about how being gay is number one and not being gay is terrible. That's not the point. The same thing about my book. It isn't about how being atheist and skeptic is the best thing ever, and theists and, I don't know, what the opposite of a skeptic is, let's just say a rube, is the worst thing ever. It's just to show things from an atheist and skeptic perspective and to show the value of these things. Um, particularly with atheism, I wanted to deal with what theism does to thinking. Um, a major theme in our story isn't so much religion. The characters are religious, but to them, it's more about the narrative and story that religion gives to people's lives. And I wanted to show that this idea that there are purposes for things um, can hurt the way that we think. You can see this like in the Jurassic World movie where they're like, oh, nature has a plan. This is against nature. Nature meant for them to go extinct. That's bullshit. That's not how things work. So how did you come across, really, and the exposure to this? Obviously, you had to do research with atheism and skepticism how did you do research on those topics and come across it so that you could portray it in a comic sure well uh, i'm an, i'm an atheist and a skeptic myself i used to actually be a, a christian i i kind of was a christian apologist i read tons of christian apologist books and everything and I, um really as i kind of changed there i was trying to defend my faith more and more and i realized i was i was wrong and in doing so um i learned the value of thinking the other way really and um, so, I mean, like, what, what was your question again? Exactly, you're asking me how it relates to the book, or how did you come across it and your research on these two? Topics? Yeah, so, so I mean, I obviously was always aware that people that weren't believers. So I, I, I'm an atheist myself, so I came across it and tried to defend my own faith. I, I failed, and I realized that um, skepticism. I, I was a big fan of Sagan, but I didn't really realize it was a, a movement to not, not 
that long ago, a couple of years ago, I really started listening to like Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and checking out James Randi's stuff. And uh, I thought that that was a really good way to explain critical thinking and science kind of on the margins. Because it's kind of hard to talk about like um, a scientific paper with somebody because it can be very detailed and long-winded. But you can talk about how can we know that salt is good or bad for you with somebody. And I think that skepticism is a good way to do that. Or, I mean, even analyzing if Bigfoot is real or not gets people to think about good epistemology. So it's still useful. So that's kind of how I came across that. Now, obviously, when, when you're writing a comic book, you have to have inspiration. Where do you draw your inspiration from when writing this comic book and creating this comic book? Sure. So I, I'd say that, I mean, my biggest inspirations as for a comic were um, I... Recently, I mean, I've always read comics. You know, Fantastic Four is probably a big inspiration to me because as a kid, I always read the Kirby Lee, you know, early Fantastic Four. And they were always building something or looking out and finding new things. And like I said, you don't see that a lot in new comics. So Fantastic Four is a big inspiration for me um, as far as comics go. I also really like, uh, it's kind of an indie book. It's published by a 2080 Brass Sun, I thought was a really good comic, you know. It was a little bit of a low-budget comic that was still really good. And so reading that really made me think that I could probably make my own book. Um, I mean, I'm inspired by, like I said, Star Trek and Cosmos were really big inspirations on me as well. Or, or there's a lot of, of nature in my book. Um, so Tolkien is a big inspiration for kind of that um, love of nature as well. Um, the book is set in Northern California, which is where I'm from. So, I mean, a lot of the setting is just inspiration from my own upbringing there and running around the woods and picking blackberries and playing with sticks and stuff so so to turn more into the development of the script mm -hmm. what process did you use to develop your script sure so i mean like i was walking around emerald city comic-con up here in seattle and i was like, you know there aren't any books that are atheist skeptic books or hard science books i mean there's books that talk about science but like i said they don't really talk about it as a means of engineering you know, not as a methodology, which is what it is and what I want to talk about. And so I was like, oh, there should be one, you know. And then I tried to think of a plot and, um, you know, it just kind of came to me that I think the best way to do this is to show the contrast of cultures. So I, I kind of set this up. I can't explain my plot too much because I kind of want to keep it a mystery because good science starts with a mystery. But, you know, that that's kind of how it was. I just wanted to talk about this and I slowly kind of developed the story and, uh um, our, art, our artist Isaac really helped a lot developing the way things look and stuff. He's been fantastic with that. So I don't want to pressure you to reveal too much, but the concept art has been revealed, which is absolutely amazing. If Thanks. you haven't seen the concept art, to everybody, I recommend you go check out the website, which we'll be promoing at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned for that. Um, but four characters have been released in concept art. Could you briefly describe the characters? Sure. So Scout's our main character. Um, she's about 18. You know, she's really into chemistry and biology. Uh, she was born on Titan. She's the first person born on Titan. Um, she was part of the Bugle 2 expedition um, to Titan. Um, I don't want to say too much about that, but that's where she's from. She's basically the last artifact of the scientific Star Trek kind of like society. Should be returning to Earth, and that's kind of the beginning of our our saga here. We also have Gutenberg. He's the person um, responsible for this paradigm shift on Earth from our scientific society to this agrarian kind of theocratic society that we have now. Our, our third major character that uh, we've showed is the Axeman. He's part of Gutenberg society, but also kind of not. He's... Um, he has a strong relationship with Scott that will be developed 
Um, I think we've also shown off her parents, which were be in the book a little bit, won't be in the book a little bit. It's hard to say. So, so where do you? How do you develop your characters? Is it from like what you've experienced or what you've seen, or is it that you're you're just this character works? Or like sure. how do you develop your characters? Yeah, so, so what I, the first thing I did was I wanted to think what was a reasonable future society. So I, I kind of developed that society almost in the token style where, you know, he creates his world and he creates the Valar and everything, and then he later does the War of the Ring, you know? So I, I created the society and thought this is the way I think things will work, and I also did tons of research for everything. I try to make sure everything, I have some scientific basis for things, so I'm not just bullshitting like Star Trek Voyager does, you know, or like, oh, it's a tachyon ray, that's what that is. So I, I try to try to make everything make sense and I try to develop Scout in that society so the way that she thinks is like that society so she doesn't say things like a sunset because the sun doesn't set you know it's a nonsense phrase she she says things how they are because that's the way she was raised and so after that I wanted to create you know kind of our our theist character who's he he's our antagonist but I also want to point out that he's not just this idiot theist character that's not at all what we're doing that's not the point i'm trying to make of this book gutenberg's actually one of the smarter characters in the story so i really wanted to structure him to be a good um apologetic based character and i think that um, my old religious upbringing actually helped me write him a lot um the accident came into play because um i wanted scout to have an interesting person to relate with in this society and like i said i don't want to say much about him because I haven't revealed any of his stories, so I'm a little stuck there explaining that to you. But that's really his importance in the story. But yeah, how I come to make the characters really is thinking about what makes sense in the universe more than trying to force the character into the story. So to talk a little bit more about character development, mm -hmm. how much influence does your artist have in helping develop the characters? Well, Isaac's been a, a been a great help. You know, he's a fantastic artist, and he's he's really done a lot. Basically, you know, like I um I, I wrote the first script. I wrote the way I wanted the main story to go. Like, like this is my vision. And then I, I wrote a couple paragraphs ex describing Scout. I'm like, you know, I need her in her her cryo suit. I need her tight mission suit. You know, I wanted to kind of look like this. I I mentioned some styles that I liked, and I was like, you know, we need to make sure it's realistic looking and these kind of fibers. I think they're using the future, etc. And then. You know, he gave me back the images, and they were just fantastic. You know, he, he picked out the colors and stuff, and I think that's been a big, big hit because I didn't want it to be dark and gritty looking. I, I like the colors, and he really nailed that. So he's, he's been a really big help for that. Now, to change gears a little bit and to focus more on your experience with this project, what were the challenges that you experienced as the creator and the writer of this comic? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the big things is just figuring out how much everything's going to cost, you know? Like, uh, like, all right, well, how much money do I need to make a book? And then you figure out, oh, artists want a lot of money. <laughs> and so pretty much I sold all my magic cards. I had a lot of them. They're all gone now, which is kind of sad. But uh, And I've used that to get everything started, get everything rolling. Um, so that was just a big deal. But also just, you know, you got to talk to a lot of people. Um, I get home, and I got, like, eight emails from everyone I got to answer, you know? So a lot of logistics and stuff like that. I'm also screenwriting is difficult because, like, so I wrote my, my first couple of pages, and um, I have a friend who's a good editor for newspapers and stuff, so he helps me edit my stuff. And um, I wrote a bunch of stuff, and I wrote these big, giant descriptions for the captions, like, oh, the moon looks like this, and it's freaking awesome. And he's like, dude, that's just for the artist to draw the moon. You don't need to write, you know, five paragraphs of 
prose for the artist. I'm like, that's a good point. No one's going to freaking read that. And so, like, I had to learn how to write comics, you know, because I come from a journalism short story background. And so that's the way I was writing. And neither of those are efficient at this. So just getting the, the diction of writing comics. But I think I got it down. I hope so. So to talk a little bit about your artist, how did you go about finding your artist? Sure. So there's a couple of people we were looking at. Um, you know, I was just pretty much my friend and I would just stay up all night looking around on DeviantArt and all those places. Just being like, I think this person could get our style right. And we talked to a couple of people, and I found Isaac on DeviantArt. Um, you know, I sent him a message like, "Hey, man, I really want to make this science-based comic. I, I love your style." He did some other stuff that I thought could translate into what I wanted, and um, you know, we sent him some instructions, and then he gave us back our first image of Scout which isn't on the website, but I have shared it a couple times on Twitter. Um, Scott was a little younger in that picture. She was like 14-ish, because I originally was going to have her be younger, um, but we decided to make her more 18 eventually. And yeah, he, he nailed that, and so you know we went with him again to do the final concepts, and those are still fantastic, and then we offered him the job to um, be the artist, and he's going to be the artist on at least the first three and probably the first four books. He may also stay on after that, but right now that's what our deal is, so... So, how do you collaborate? Do you collaborate in person? Do you collaborate over the internet? Do you do a combination of collaboration? With sure. Isaac? Well, he lives in the middle of America, you know, so I, I've never seen the guy. But uh, um, well, we talk on email a lot. Um, I send him a bunch of notes, and he sends me, you know, a big page of notes back. And then every um, couple of weeks, we get on Skype and talk for a couple hours on there to try to flesh everything out, you know. I'd be like, oh, I want her to fall off this thing, and it'd be awesome. And he's like, how in the hell am I supposed to draw this? Blah, 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 you know, so we go over all the details. But, uh, yeah, we kind of just base it out over time because, you know, it takes a while to get the art in. And so I, I'm ahead a couple on scripts, so, you know, I'm, he's always asking details and stuff in the past. So I kind of work on his pace, and he kind of works on mine. So, But mostly just over the Internet. So I've spoken to other comic book writers, and they've said that when they speak to their artists – that their artist kind of keeps them in balance. Do you feel that Isaac keeps you a little bit imbalanced when you're writing and makes your comic better? I think that he has definitely made it better. Uh, like a couple of things where, you know, I, I really like the scenes of Star Trek where everyone sits down at the table and talks to each other, you know, like, or my, one of my favorite video games is Final Fantasy Tactics because everyone's just talking to each other all the damn time. And so sometimes Isaac's like, we should probably have something happen here that's not just talking i'm like well that's a good point or he um he's been able to make the landscapes look a lot better than i envisioned in several scenes and also just be just logistic things so i think it would awesome idea I'm like oh i want her up on this thing it'd be awesome he's like well how the hell is she gonna get there and so things like that is really helped me just thinking about how we're actually going to translate it to a comic this is different than writing a novel where you can describe things visually in a certain way poetically but when you actually have to visualize it on the page it's, it's more one-to-one -one reality so he's been a big help for that. So much like your artist, how did you find your colorist? Yeah, so we um, we were actually searching for a colorist. There's this, there's a Reddit comic collapse actually, which is a great place to find people to help work on your book. We got a couple great submissions from there, and I've actually shown one of them that we didn't go with because he he did a really great job, and I really liked his stuff. You can view it on our Twitter if you like. Um, but we ended up going with a local guy because I found someone local who just lives a few blocks from us, which has been a big help because I can go and show him pictures of the actual landscape where the thing is and, and point that out. So um, um, that's how we found him. You know, 
I just posted on Craigslist for a colorist and he messaged us and it, he, he was local, which is a great deal. And, uh, he has similar, um, scientific values as us. And, uh, I think he's going to, uh, Michael Shepard is the colorist by the way. And he's, I think he's going to be a big help on the book. So how much freedom does he have to choose which colors to put in and what colors not to touch? Well, yeah, well, I mean, he's more limited than just the visual light, light spectrum. I think that I, I want things to look realistic, you know, um, like, like when Adam Sandler wanted to draw a blue duck, you know, that's fine. That's, I don't know if you get that joke, but anyway, <laughs> I don't want blue ducks in my book because I've never seen a blue duck. The opposite of, of his wanting a blue duck. Like I, I want things to look realistic, you know, cause I want the book very much to be scientific and it's also set in a specific place. So I want it to look like that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a dogmatic color palette you know i like the way that isaac set up the color in the book that's the way it will mostly look but um i also like to take input from my artists i mean they're artists they always they're good at what they do and that's why we want them working with us so, so now you mentioned that you sold all your magic cards to help yeah. fund this how painful was that well i had this edh deck i've been playing edh for a long time like it got popular recently, but I've been playing back like since when you had to use an actual Elder Dragon as your general. And so I had a book. I, I mean, my deck had all the duels in it, man. I had like Beta Soul Rings and Foil Jaces and stuff. So I mean, it's pretty sad. But I don't have time to play that much anymore. I mean, I used to play like semi professionally, you know, and that's what I did. But now I, I got to write this book. I really care about this book. It takes a lot of time to do it. And uh, with work and writing this book and taking time to play Final Fantasy, I just don't have time. So it kind of sucked. But, you know, that money went into concept art. It went into getting everything started. And that's what's important to me now. So, For everybody who, who doesn't understand that when you have a passion for something and you sell something you love, to start my website, I sold a bunch of comic books that, that I cared about. So... It's very hard to describe giving that up to follow a dream. So I sympathize with you. Thanks, man. So obviously, how you sold your magic cards. How are you planning to future fund this comic? Sure. So you know, with the Kickstarter, we have we have a set amount that we're going to go for. I'm not going to mention the exact number here, but that's to. Print a decent amount of copies of the book, you know, do the the, the mailing and the, the printing of the posters and stuff. We're also going to make scarves, and there'll be like a one-of-a-kind little scout doll. They're kind of hard to make, so we can't make too many of them. But the scarves will have like the Titan mission on them. They'll be cool. And then we're going to have actual physical issues of the book. So the money from the Kickstarter will go to paying Isaac and our colorist and our letterer and printing the book. You know, that's, that's mainly what it's for. So we'll have, we should have a cup, um, a decent amount, a couple hundred extra issues left from that pool that we can hopefully sell and help refurnish it. You know, I, I, I don't make the most money in the world, but I have a decent job in IT, so I'm putting my money, own money into the book itself. The plan is the first issue will be paper and digital. And issue two, three, and four will be digital only. You know, we'll sell them for a couple bucks uh, digitally. And then we'll, I'd like to do a trade. Um, which is, you know, paper for issue one through five. So that, that that's my goal, because I think financially that works out for us. But we'll see how much we do on Kickstarter. There'll be stretch goals to do those as well. We, we've been getting a lot of traffic on Instagram and Twitter in just the three months that we've been doing it, so I think we can meet our stretch goals. I, at least I hope so. Obviously, Kickstarter, I was on Kickstarter yesterday. 
they got 191 comic projects going on. Do you feel that Kickstarter gives people who want to publish comics that are a little bit, you know, not the norm of superhero, the opportunity to publish something and share it with the comic community and really self-publish? Yeah, so, I mean, the the reason I, th I think, I'm not positive of this, because there's been some talk by about going with the publisher, um, but I think we want to self-publish because I want the book to be an openly atheist book. I don't want to take that off. And I don't know if I will be able to, if we go with the publisher, say that it's an atheist comic. And so that's a big deal for us. And so that's really why I wanted creative control. And I, I don't want to give that up. And I think that going with Kickstarter is a good way to do that. So. I mean, are you against going with a publisher after the first few issues come out? Because I know that Rocket Girl uh, in 2013 started on Kickstarter and now it's with Image. There, there's certain... There's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but there, there's certain publishers I would work with. Um, I'm not necessarily against it, you know. I just, it's just the issue of keeping the atheist logo. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to not say it. And so if that becomes an issue with them, then that's a deal breaker. So I don't know if they'll care or not. But I mean, it's normally a pretty divisive thing. So I don't, you know, that's why, pretty much. So... What would you say has been the most valuable lesson from this experience? Um, well, really, it's just that, like, with current technology, it's not as hard to get media made as it used to be. You know, like, I, I that growing up, my friends and I would always talk about, like, movies or our own D20 books that we'd want to make, you know, and we'd, like, make a couple sketches on Word. We'd never really go anywhere with them, though. I think that the more the Internet grows the easier it is to actually get projects going and these crowdfunding sites have really helped that. You kind of like have a place where you can look, look, I made this. Do you want there to be more of it? Like you have that space now. And so I think the biggest lesson I learned is really that you can do things. Um, you don't have to just give up all the time. So. And now before we get to our final two questions, mm -hmm. I want to ask the title of your book um, is associated with Neil Young. Mm -hmm. How much has Neil Young influenced your comic book? Sure. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily influenced the comic per se. I mean, I love Neil Young. You know, I play his songs, listen to his songs growing up, camping my whole life. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any specific themes in his music that are in the book. I mean, I listen to it when I write the book sometimes, so I, I don't know if it sneaks its way in there. So, I mean, maybe some of the feelings are in there in the scope of the art when she's standing in California and like it's dusk and it's beautiful. But none of his themes are really in the book. I just thought it was a really perfect name, um, especially because it's like after the scientific society has gone, you know? So it's like after the gold rush. So I, I just thought it was a beautiful name for it. And that's really why we went with it. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily about Neil Young. He just also said it. So, I mean, from me reading, just looking at the name and also the perfect hashtag, which is the abbreviate. I mean, it's yeah. perfect. It's catchy. And it's just a wonderful name that says it all. Well, thank it you. It just captures your eye. We weren't going with the abbreviation, actually, to our, our, our cover artist, who's Barry, who's a local artist up here. He actually did that up for the title because I was like, yeah, take a shot at making the title art. And he came up with that, and I thought it worked really well. So, So... 
what advice would you give to people who want to create their own comics? Well, first thing is have an original idea. You know, I hope mine is that. I'm pretty sure it is. But, you know, if you want to write a comic, you know, do the thing about comics, this is why I love comics. It doesn't take a million dollars to make a comic book. You know, if you want to take a movie, you have to get a boardroom to agree with you. You have to get all these producers on. They're going to run focus groups. They're going to make sure that all these groups of people like your story. So your story is going to become homogenized. Comics don't need that. You know, like you can get a, make a super good comic for like less than ten thousand dollars. So you can be very original. So be original. That's that's the great spot about the space. So, you know, maybe you have a great idea about zombies, but probably don't write about zombies. I mean, Last of Us, the video game came out and it had this, what are de facto zombies and it managed to tell a fantastic story. But unless your story is as good as Last of Us, you probably shouldn't be writing about zombies anymore. There's already really great zombies. You know, don't write about how everything's going to go to shit. Make something up that's original. You know, use the medium for what it's always been best at. And that's coming up with something new. And I think if you do that, you'll be successful or at least have a good shot. So the final question uh, before we go, do you have any plugs like Facebook, Twitter, website, so people can keep up to date when the Kickstarter campaign launches as well as when the comic launches? Yeah, definitely. And uh, thanks for the you know platform to promote here. Um, yeah, so you can follow us at, at Gold Rush Comic. Um, we also have a Facebook, but you know it's not as active as our Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram as well. Oh, sorry, Instagram tag. I don't know. It's it's something. It's after the Gold Rush comic. That's what it is. And our um, our website's also listed on our Twitter, so you can follow us there. And you can, if you ever have uh, any questions for us, or you might want to work with us or anything, you, you like us, you're an artist, you want to do some promotional material from us. That's awesome. You can always contest us through the website, and I will be the guy you'll be talking to. So. This concludes this week's podcast. Before you go, be sure to check out popanimecomics.com and subscribe to this podcast anywhere where podcasts are available so you don't miss any new episodes every Sunday.